Hey, I'm Amar Chohan. And I'm Charlotte Williams. Thanks for tuning in to Love, Hate, Create. We speak to the smartest people from across the advertising industry to find out what they love about it, what they hate, and what change they want to create. Hello and welcome to Love, Hate, Create, where today we are with Brad Hiranaga, who is the Chief Brand Officer for Cotapuxi, um, where he is charged with building the next iconic global outdoor brand, and he's driving the continued growth um, of Cotapuxi and creating a cultural movement behind its mission of fighting extreme poverty, inspiring adventure, and moving people to do more good. What an amazing job. Hiranaga will be responsible for, or is responsible for Cotapuxi's brand purpose, experience and image. And he oversees marketing, advertising, creative design, community, experiences, PR and activation. Um, So before that, Brad was at General Mills, where he was chief brand officer and he led iconic brands. um, Some of the the most world's most loved brands. Um, there and he believes strongly that doing good is good for business and as an Asian American he advocates a lot for diversity and inclusion. Um, When he's not doing all of these wonderful things he's diving into the latest cultural trends, he's going on walks with his wife and their dog Howie or he's getting crushed playing video games with his two sons. So let's talk more about all of those things Brad. Welcome to Love Hate Create. Thank you Charlotte and Amar thanks for so much for having me on I appreciate it. Very yeah, excited welcome. to talk to you both. Great, yeah, great to meet you and great to have you on the show. Brad, you've spent the best part of your career working for CPG brands. So I was just looking at your uh, LinkedIn career history. There's been a stint at PepsiCo, coffee at Starbucks, Cheerios, pizza, tacos, uh, a lot of snacking, a lot of food. And then <laughs> um, you've made the leap to Cotopoxy and you're in the outdoor apparel world how's that shift been for you how's it all going uh moving from the world of 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 snacking over to to outdoor uh clothing yeah i think i i kind of looked in the mirror and i said i i need to move off of food i've been i've been in food and beverage too long i the workout routine's not 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 holding it together for me so i just got to get out of the industry um in all serious, you know, I think it's funny because people always ask, like, did you pick, do you pick an industry that you love or did you just kind of get into marketing and then you, you went with the industry that you, that you got into? And for me, it was really more the latter. It was, I always, um, loved the idea of brands. And so I always thought, I didn't know what that really meant until, you know, I kind of went back to business school and saw that was actually a career path I could go into. And so General Mills really first gave me the first opportunity to come in and really experience a what is brand management and and how do you build a brand and what are all the different facets of marketing? And so I loved every part of it. I loved every part of it. And specifically in, in a company like these big CPG companies, you know, they have so many brands that it's a really exciting, it's really exciting to be able to kind of come in and, and get the diversity of experience where you're working with different consumers, a different legacy and heritage of what the brand was developed on. Um, different sizes of business. And so for me, that was really what kind of kept me within the world of food and beverage for for so long, not like a, a unique love for for eating, snacks. although I do love food. Yeah, snacks, <laughs> especially tacos and pizza. It's like, it's hard to believe, it's hard to beat tacos and pizza at any, any, any point in time. Um, so for me, the shift into something like Epoxy w- was for multiple reasons. One, I was always really intrigued by outdoor um, and apparel brands. And I've always, you know, I grew up in Beaverton, Oregon, it's where Nike was. And so I always had looked up to those kinds of brands as being so iconic and, 
as someone who's really interested in outdoor activities and, and doing things, you know, with my kids in, in you know, all sorts of, of, of parks and, you know, whether those are national parks or parks on the street to play basketball or baseball, like those were things that really, um, you know, as a personal passion are really important. And then secondly, um, you know, this company was some, one that was really small. Um, it was just in its really early days of, of being um, a, a brand at all. And so to be able to come in on a brand like that versus some of the other brands I'd worked on that were literally, in some cases, 100 years old, was a completely different um, phase of company. And, and to be coming into something that there was an opportunity to really shape what that could be um, for a long mm-hmm. period of time was exciting. And then the last part, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more, that was really interesting um, and, and really probably the most important for me was it was a business truly built on purpose. Um, and I've worked on brands that, that are purpose-led, you know, in my past, but, but truly built in its DNA with a mission that the founder, like, was fully convicted and believed, convinced and believed um, he wanted to put out into the world. And that, for me, was the, the ultimate thing I was looking for. And, and Code Epoxy, amongst all the other companies, really stood out uh, in that way, which has been, you know, it, you know, basically a privilege to be able to work on a brand that, 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 that is, is operating in that way. Sounds like you've got the right fit there perfect perfect fit for your passions yeah and and our logo is a llama which who doesn't love a good llama so i'm always excited (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't right so into the um into the premise of this podcast which is of course around what you love what you hate and the change that you'd create if if you could within the industry within brands advertising and whatever that means to you um what is it then brad that that you love so many good things about marketing. I'm sure. I'm sure for both of you too. It's it's hard to pin that down to one specific. Um, but I thought about this a lot, knowing I'm just going to come on here. We're going to, and and that was a question that you were going to ask. Um, I'll say first of all, um, and I'll get to like my my main kind of like love of marketing. Um, but I, one of the first things I really love about the the discipline internally in a, in a company is that marketing can really create um, and influence company culture. And I think for those of us that have worked at different companies and different agencies, like, you know, the reason you end up staying, you know, for a long time at places is because you really like being a part of the culture, like being a part of the fabric um, of a team and, and what, what you're doing together. And I think more than, than any other function, marketing and brands can really influence it because what people see outside, you know, whether that's they're, they're happy about something, they're excited about something, they feel pride in what your company is doing and how, it, and how it's coming to life, that really can have a really huge internal um, influence on on how you feel about the work that you're doing and 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 motivate you to do more to be um, you know more inspired about the work you're you're creating whatever product or service or experience that is so I think that that for me is a really like big part of why I've always loved you know being in marketing and companies um, I think the second thing for me is is in marketing you get to be at the tip of the spear of almost anything yeah. that the company is doing so there's innovation, obviously, that happens. Innovation can happen anywhere. You know, it can happen in supply chain. It can happen in finance. It can happen um, in the products that are being developed. But for marketing, you know, you sit at this really intriguing intersection of consumer need, of technology, of how people are consuming information, entertainment, and of culture. And I think because you're always operating within that that world, you're able to really be out front of what's going to happen. And so when you pull a marketer into a boardroom or onto their team. Um, you just have a unique position that really no one else in the company is really sitting in. And that value that you can provide at, at being kind of out front and being like the scout of what's going to happen 
I've always found that extremely um, exciting to be in that position and help kind of influence with where the company is going to go because you're you're thinking in, in a more innovative way. Um, and then I would say, you know, the last piece and probably what's what what I love the most um, is, you know, for someone like myself who you know, I you know, grew up, you know, idolizing, you know, athletes and loving music and loving film and all of these things that are, are creating culture. Um, I never really felt I found I'd be in a job that was really more commercially focused that would actually have such an ability to create culture in positive ways. And I think that for me has been um, really exciting to be able to be in a job. Or not, don't even think about it in that way when I first started in marketing, but with what's happening um, in social movements, in environmental policy, um, in what's happening in, in you know diversity and inclusion, like all of these really important topics you hear about, um, marketing is really has the ability uh different i think than almost anyone else in a company to influence what's happening um and especially depending on the brand and depending on what your mission is but that is really exciting i think to be able to be in a seat um where, where that can happen and i think as i you know i even talk to, you know, i have kids who are who are down high school and they ask me like what what is what what do you do in your job like i i used to talk to them about ads i'd make or products i was, la I was launching but now we talk more about you know, the social problems that are in the world and what is a company or a brand doing to help solve them. That's the kind of position that I want. And with this stage of my career, that, that those are the kind of problems that I, yeah. I'm most excited about solving. And I love, I love the fact that marketing gets to be how I got into those, those discussions. I mean, that's, that was what, and it allows me to continue to be in those conversations to solve those problems. So you were, you were a purpose-driven marketer really before it, it was the, cool or, or or the thing right and i know it's obviously it there you have to have a purpose companies have to have a purpose purpose-driven marketing has definitely become more of the word word of the day of the moment but have you seen a shift in it in your sort of 20 plus years in, in the business in the way that purpose-driven marketing marketing is talked about respected the responsibility of brands there yeah yeah i, I mean quite quite a bit i i feel like I'm going to date myself, but it was probably around like 2010, so almost 15 years ago. And I remember I got an opportunity to go to Cannes for the first time. And so I started, you know, that's such a great exposure point for like young marketers to kind of go and understand what other companies are doing. And obviously purpose had been talked about, but I got I to gotta kind of witness, you know, some of the really great companies and some of the great marketers talking about what purpose truly was. Um, you know, company, you know, Keith Weed at Unilever was one of the folks that was talking about how they thought about purpose. Mark Pritchard's been a long around a long time for Procter and Gamble talking about purpose. Phil Knight was there talking about purpose, and so it cut heightened in terms of like, okay, what what does this actually mean um, for me and for our brand? And so when I came back in the times of General Mills, you know, we we made it, you know, a number of us really made a push to try to say, how do we actually incorporate what purpose is into our our marketing and into our brands, into the blueprints that we're using to talk about how we're communicating um, everything this brand stands for. And so we were able to make, it was a very simple, but like important fundamental shift that happened where we, we used to have, you know, a brand promise at the top of all of our brand kind of foundations. And we shifted it into brand purpose. And what that really required was this different kind of question, which is like, what do you believe and why do you exist instead of what do you do? And I think that purpose conversation started to open up lots of other more richer discussions about what a brand could be and what it could actually influence in culture um, and who it was for. And so even though it was a very simple thing, that was the starting point for me for really like believing and understanding what purpose was. It was less to do at that point, I think, with like 
a broader opportunity to influence social or environmental or, or, or good. It was more of like, wow, a brand could really have a much more, you know, interesting influence and impact commercially if it thought about it this way. Um, and then I started, you know, one of the examples that was really interesting that I saw early on was, you guys remember Nike Fuel? And that kind of came out as a thing of like the wearable of like, okay, measure your, and, and how that was such an interesting brand, but also utility for people to get information on their own personal health. And that like unlocked such, for me, such new, interesting kind of territory as a marketer. It was like, okay, I'm really thinking about this the wrong way. If I'm thinking about like, what message am I getting out? What message am I getting out? What message am I getting out? And instead reframed it as a, what problem am I solving? And what problem am I solving? And how am I adding value? And the purpose then can drive those kinds of like answers through, you know, based off what people, humans needed. Um, and so it was around that time. So I, I, the reason I bring it back to that time, that was like a really big epiphany for me. And it happened, I was on brands where I was able to then kind of apply it to the brand um, in a way that was like more consumer value. And then I, I give a lot of credit to that for, for me personally, like helping propel me forward into bigger opportunities. Um, it was such a simple, but it was such a simple mindset change over time and you know it's changed then to well purpose actually needs to be a little bit bigger than the way i was thinking about it it's actually much broader in terms of what is what is the social good what is the good beyond just the commercial growth of a brand that you're really trying to achieve and i've seen that move from you know being okay well we have to have a couple like four good initiatives that we'll like check the box on which you know i've worked on a lot of those brands and it's great it's it's a it was a evolution from where they were before but it wasn't what I really was hungry for. Um, and ironically, I had to leave food for being hungry, but like it wasn't what I was hungry for in terms of what is the other broader impact that you could actually make? And, and, and do you truly believe it? And is that purpose at the center of every decision you're making or is it just part of a marketing campaign at the end? Um, and, and are the incentives that you're putting against your business, are they really truly incorporating those, those things for good at the beginning of the year when you're discussing what are we going to, how are we going to grow and what are we going to measure upon? Or are they just kind of, again, nice kind of like lucky strike extras. And that for me was the, was when purpose was its next evolution. And that was over the last, you know, five or six years for me that I've, I, I admire the companies that truly do that because there's not a lot of them that are out there. I mean, when the stakes get, when, when business gets hard, growth gets difficult, that's usually the first thing that goes like, well, we're going to cut these initiatives because we're not generating profit in, in a way that we can see immediately. It's the brand to stick with that, even when they have to make other hard decisions that I, I admire, because I feel like that they're truly living a purpose and, and something bigger than just the annual annual performance of the company. Yeah. And it seems to me that there's been a bit of a row back on purpose. Maybe it's for commercial reasons, but I sense that there's kind of purpose with a capital P, right? Um and then there's just having a purpose or having an organizing principle for your brand, a reason for existence. And unfortunately, those two things can be conflated, right? And what is the definition of purpose that the brand needs and wants? Is it, let's just have something meaningful to get behind in order to like make our consumers or customers' lives better and probably make it easier to, to shift product, but also, move in different directions the fuel bad example is a, is a great one that doesn't happen unless you are really clear on your purpose but then unfortunately purpose with a capital p is also getting a lot of flack lately because um you see unilever somewhat rowing back right and getting attacked from activist investors getting attacked yeah yeah, yeah. you're clearly a a, a 
capital P purpose marketer through and through and you're absolutely in the right place to be to be doing that what do you say to the brand's pizza rolls for example like what is what should purpose mean for a pizza roll brand well it's a great question um and we debated that a lot you know i think we were trying to make that transition and you, you laid it out so well of like you know are is this just an organizing principle for our brand so we have consistency and we can kind of level up a little bit higher than we maybe were before or is this something like truly more meaningful and i think it goes back to brands kind of have different different roles in terms of where they're where they want to play and what they want to go after behind their purpose is going to be different so for a brand like for totino's and this is a brand that was built off of like entertainment um utility was more in like how can we how can we bring something so fun to your gaming experience to your binge watching experience um that that it's like you're gonna have to tell everybody about it so it's like really harder to define like okay what is your esg esg goal as a brand like that one of the ways that um we're able to kind of figure that out within a bigger company at least was to really talk about you know there's some brands that are focused on environment there's some brands that are more focused on solving hunger which for a food company is easier to do and then there's some brands that are focused on just doing acts of good and those acts of good can look very different from you know from other brands for for a brand like totino's it's really about um i think adding adding value to those people who are their biggest fans which are kids who are in high school and college and so a lot of where that brand did extra extra good was was really trying to figure out how do we get more people into college and how do we get more people, um, you know, using box tops for education as a partner and thinking about education. I would say for me, like that is a okay place to be because it wasn't it wasn't true and to the center of what their brand was trying to achieve. It was you know it's a snacking brand for you know high school and college college kids. So to me, that was a step above it. Not all brands, I think, have the ability to truly play at the big P purpose level. Um, and so you kind of also have to like come at it with a little bit of reality of like where, where some brands are going to be able to do that and some brands are, are going to be able to do it at lower levels. So, you know, for a big company like General Mills, which was trying to ultimately become a big P kind of purpose company, some of his brands just were kind of operating that level. It did have other brands, though, that were like really leaning much more heavily into big P, um, which, you know, were brands like, Annie's, right? And Annie's is a brand that's kind of they acquired and so it came in. It was already a mission-driven brand and a lot of the work that it did for regenerative agriculture and using farmland that um, that was what was used in a much more you know, productive and, and long sustainably way um, to, to bring crops in was something that they always did and something that then they spread to other parts of the company. And so there were brands, I think, like that that were truly like they were purpose-driven, they were mission-driven, that was always the case. And there were other brands that were less so. Um, the goal there really was to try to raise the tide of everybody so that we are doing more good as an organization um, and letting a lot of diverse brands do it in different ways. It's a lot different, you know, for a company like Code Epoxy, which is built on this principle of purpose and only has one brand and is small and is, is trying to, 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 to kind of like grow um, with improve and prove that it can be done in a way that I think it's been hard for a lot of brands to do. Um, the way in which we do that, one of the ways in which we do that is by finding other brands that are trying to do it too and trying to like form a collective of brands that are creating this movement for good um, and helping each other figure it out, right? Help each other figure it out because a lot of brands haven't or they've they've had to backtrack off of it. Um, and that's really where I think, you know, business is going is through collaboration. You know, we've seen collaborations through products and different brands together, but that collaboration is really where I feel like we got to figure this out together, you know, and, and, and I don't even mean just as a marketing community, but as like companies and that are trying to 
trying to take a lot of the load off of like the governments and other organizations that aren't maybe like helping society move forward. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's that collaboration that that I think it's just a very different mindset I think than maybe before was like, okay, all the, bra all the brands are competitors and like, how do I take market share to like all of the brands are collaborators. How do we help each other out to move a bigger, something that's bigger and more important forward that's and then right. also be commercially successful. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Systemic then, change. right? If you, mm. if you can band together and all boats rise together, um, as you say, that's the way that significant change is going to mm. materialize rather than, as you say, doing it in isolation, no matter how big your company is, if you're the only one doing it and you're not figuring out the systems and the ways and the, the policy changes that are required it's not gonna um make a enough of a difference it will make a difference but if you do it together it will, be, it will absolutely mm. make more um we should move on to what you hate about this the is the good bit marketing this is the good bit i like that, that we operate in <laughs> the fun bit tell us yeah i would it's gonna be related and maybe that's yeah. a good thing or maybe that's not but i think it's related right i what i what i don't like and I guess I'll say hate because it's might as well go and lead into the word. Uh, what I hate is when brands or marketing actions that are out there um, feel the need to either kind of use doing good or use this idea of purpose to take kind of like action behind things that really aren't going to make an impact. And I know there's a the term greenwashing and there's a the term of, you know, and, and you know, I think consumers and, and people that are, you know, buying anything today, they're, they're much more wary of those things. I think when companies, I, I think most companies know when they're truly doing something that's going to be meaningful um, for whatever whatever mission-driven kind of goal they have. And I also think that they know when it's it's an opportunity for them just to kind of market behind something. And I think when companies make the choice to do that and market behind things that aren't really truly solving a, a problem, um, so they can spin something or create something for you know for advertising or whatnot. It, it really then sets everyone else back that's actually trying to authentically do it. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation we we have as a company now. I, I, can't, I can't even believe, to be honest, that when I sit in conversations and we're talking about ESG or diversity and inclusion from where we were a few years ago, that how we talk about it now, where it's almost like, okay, well, we don't necessarily want to say those words if we're marketing this way because we could get blowback on it. It's goes, it, Amaro's going to live to what you're saying is that there's been a pushback in some ways. And, um, and I think that's because, you know, some companies have potentially used that in ways that's maybe that have been misleading to people and they feel, so then they're on the watch for everything. Um, it takes extra effort and, and I'll just say for people, I, before I was even at this company, it takes extra effort and time and like dedication to build an organization and a company that really has this kind of purpose hardwired in, um, to its business model. But it can be done, and it, and you've seen a number of companies do it. And I think um, it every you know you know when you're at a place that's doing that because when you're sitting with the people who work there, they almost like filter every single idea through that lens. Like how how does this affect our mission? How does this affect our impact? You know how how does this help us grow so that we can do more good? Um, and and when you're in a place like that where that's the belief and that's the conviction. Um, it, it, it makes everything else that you're doing. I mean, if you just, you, it's a different feeling you get as a marketing and a marketer and as a, you know, as just as a business person when, when you, it's something special. And so to be able then to market behind those things is actually relatively simple because it's just your truth and it's just your actions you're taking. You're, you're solving a problem, you're taking action now, then go, then it's okay to go market behind that because you want more people to know about it. 
I think that's when it's the reverse of like, what can we do to get attention behind something that we yes. may or may not care about or not committed to? That's when it creates, I think, a a lot, um, well, it's, a lot it's, more questions. You talked earlier about uh, you know internal the buzz you get from sort of creating an uh, internal cultural change, and and it's interesting, isn't it? Because Cota Parksy is obviously born out of culture, right? It's almost a brand that bubbled up from someone with such a strong sense of society and impact but then you know you get these brands don't you like well let's well I'm gonna have to mention them you know like the fearless girl campaign for straight street which obviously very highly awarded work one one of the most awarded pieces ever yeah but of course all about fearless girl when they were paying women significantly less than men there was just a lack of internal external alignment you're gonna come unstuck aren't you it's just superficial isn't the, it it's super it's it's very superficial it, it, uh, yeah and, and the, is this what you this is what you're talking about is it and, and putting a rainbow flag on a these sort of opportunistic yeah carbon yeah. offsetting is another one right yeah so mm, I, I was, totally i was with a friend the other day um who is an advisor to a startup that's name i can't remember annoyingly but the founder of this startup is the person who first coined the term carbon credits yeah, and came up with the concept of carbon credits and thought of it as a way to actually reduce the amount of carbon in the planet and therefore it was doing good, right? But then, because capitalism, um, what happened was it just became a commodity. So British Airways or whatever it is, other company, like they're just, they're just trading it. They're actually, and then there are people in the middle that are making money from it. And he realized some kind of time in that it wasn't having the net negative effect that it should have it just got capital capitalism ruined it essentially and it wasn't Mm. any better for the planet and then you get all these companies that say we plant a tree for every cell that we make but actually the the amount of carbon um, that that tree can take out of the uh, environment is nowhere near the amount of carbon that's put in by selling that product right there's like a a thing about organic trees that take 100 years or have 100 years of, of ability to to take out um, carbon from the environment versus the trees that are planted in like just who knows if the trees are even planted but there's like it's out of of sync and then so this chap who invented the term carbon credits is now created a new is creating a new model um, and this is the startup that's name I can't remember to basically um, do what he originally set out to do and have a far more um, impactful and hopefully yeah. non-exploitable version of carbon credits by making sure that they own the forests, uh, that the trees are organic, and that they can actually um, create enough oxygen and absorb enough carbon to offset yeah. truly what is being created. We went on yeah. a tangent there a bit, but <laughs> no, no, carbon no, offsetting, love, like plant it. tree, yeah. like yeah. it's just so, it's such yeah. a thing, like. Uh, uh, yeah, a super. I love that this is a marketing conversation, and we're talking about this though. It's exciting. I mean, I, I one of the things I would just say is like, you know, I think so. There, there for sure are you know organizations who have maybe gone at it the wrong way of of you know knowing that they're not necessarily committed to something, and then they you know and market something that's that's not authentic. I do also think there are a lot of companies that are trying to to figure it out and want to figure it out, but it's a really you know this is our sustainability team. Um, you know, a woman named Grace Sunsick and Annie Engel, who have been at Code Epoxy for a while, are are truly remarkable in their commitment and their knowledge about this space, especially for a small company. Um, and Annie will, you know, she's she's one of the ex- foremost experts in the apparel industry, and she will say like, "This is such a complicated space, and we're all trying to learn all together." 
one of the ways in which I think the learning can happen, and this goes into like a B Corp, how they actually give a, you know, give a B Corp score is there's the environmental impact you're having, there's the social impact you're having, mm. but there's also a governance impact you're having, which is how you how you are trying to do the right things and how to be transparent with those things. And those include the things that you're you're learning along the way that you're like, oh, you know what? That's actually not having the same positive impact I thought. I need to shift it. And so yeah. one of the things I'm, I'm really proud about for Code Epoxy is that governance score for us is really high, which means the transparency is really high. And I think that's where, especially as a small company, you're gonna try stuff that's not gonna work. I think mm. those are the things where, where as a collective, you know, coming together, you can learn from others as they're experimenting with things and and progressing and moving things forward. So you do get to more to you find productive solutions and not being creating things that you think you're doing the right thing, but you're really not helping the problem. Um, and so yeah. it, it's there's an opportunity, I think, for for more, you know, but companies got to buy into that and they want to invest. They have to want to invest in any part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so, so Brad, you, you, what you hate is the opportunity opportunism opportunistic brands the sort of lack of for want of a better word authentic purpose yeah yes i mean absolutely and for me and for me it kind of comes down to i think you know we have all probably marketed brands that are sometimes hard to market because you don't have enough stories or you don't have enough like innovation or news to market behind and so then you're kind of grasping for straws a little bit and then we've also been part of these brands that you have a plethora like you've too much stuff to market and that's also a different that's actually the that's actually the challenge i have now code epoxy there's there's too much almost to market for a size of brand we are but but we but but i i think for me i i just don't think like creating things out of you know taking advantage of of companies that are trying to do the right thing and then trying to grasp onto that and then and trick people maybe a little bit or mislead them in in a certain way I just, I just think that gives the whole industry a bad rep. I think it gives, I give, it gives advertising a bad rep. It gives marketers a bad rep. There's already enough work I feel like that's kind of gone into marketers, you know, that uh, you know, to I don't say to justify a CMO job or to justify being mm-hmm. in the boardroom. Like the shows, like marketers are there for growth, and so to have this other kind of piece to it, it's like, well, I gotta, you know, your people are spinning things for for stories. I, I just, I think that sets a, sets the whole industry, uh, this yeah. the whole profession back um, mm-hmm. when that happens. Brilliant. Love love those thoughts there. Now let's move on to then the change that you would create um, if you could. Yeah, I feel like this is we're staying on the same thematic here. I I do. I do think, um, you know, for for I'll I'll take this to this specific brand for a second and then and then kind of broaden it out. But I do think one of the reasons that attracted attracted me and others to like Code Epoxy as a company is this idea of like, hey, we're, we're trying to create a movement of good. And the brand was built on this idea that um, that capitalism, and you brought this up tomorrow, like where, where capitalism could always go bad. There's a negative connotation around capitalism, but that capitalism could be done better. Um, and specifically for this brand, the, the founder who created it, you know, he experienced poverty all throughout Latin America where he was growing up. Um, and so he had the idea of like, how can I create a business that could fight extreme poverty? And like, what does that look like? And so for this company, it's about setting up an organization that kicks in a percentage, 1% at least of sales into our foundation. And that foundation then works with nonprofits all across Latin America, some in the U.S. too. We're, we're also focused on, on U.S. poverty and homelessness as well. But to, to, to figure out what ways can we solve this problem? And the only way to solve it, because it, and it is the number one, United Nations number one sustainability goal is, is extreme poverty. 
um, is by a collection of different organizations that are fighting different parts of the problem in, in unique and innovative ways. So we, we work to find and locate those organizations, those nonprofits, and then partner with them to fund them, to give them some of the resources so they can kind of keep, keep going forward um, on the things that they're working on. That, that piece of it um, is really at the crux of like why this business was created. The, the broader brand ideas, you know, see the world, make it better. And, and we, you know, we obviously sell like, you know, travel and outdoor gear for, for people to go out and explore the world. The other part for me of that is the way, the belief that if you say, well, see the world, make it better. What does that mean? You have to believe that when you go see the world, and this can mean, this can mean another country. This can be another community. That's in a different part of your, of your city. Um, it means you build compassion and understanding of other cultures, right. And other communities. Yeah. And that is what for me is like super interesting because that gets back to this idea of like, it's always about learning and interacting with other people. It's always about finding different ways to work together. And then there's an optimism and collaboration in that, that I just feel really, you know, it's why I like to work in teams. It's like that I'm, that I'm super passionate about. And so, and so that idea of, of collaboration, I think is really important because it goes back to what we talked about, this kind of idea of a collective. If, if as one company, we're never going to solve global poverty, extreme poverty, we just would never be able to do it. We're never going to be able to fix all the sustainability issues that plague the apparel industry because there's a lot of them. But if, we, if we're open-minded in the way we want to solve that problem and, and approach it that way, we will find other partners who are trying to do that and we will come together behind you know a, a relatively broad shared mission to do good. And what's been exciting about that philosophy, and, and, and this is why this kind of lends itself, like we're a brand trying to create a movement, but like, what I want is marketers to try to create a movement for good, because when we work in that way together, um, yeah. it's all of a sudden it's 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 like every the, every good idea that I see now today is behind a partnership. There's a partnership, some collaboration that's coming together. That's like, oh, that's so unique, or that's so cool, or oh, that so makes so much sense. Um, when those good things come together, you automatically want to do more for your partner. Like there's a value exchange that happens that's just not transactional. And I think that for me, of like, how do you figure out connecting those pieces together? Um, I, I, as a marketer who, you know, as we all think in networks and connections, that ecosystem of partners that are trying to do good and how do we create a movement for good is what I'm, I'm super interested to try to create more of. Um, and I think it exists in pockets. I think some brands are doing that and creating together, yes, but I just think it's powerful to come together Definitely. in a way, um, yeah. that because then society thrives, all brands win and we don't have to compete to win as much. We're, we're, we're partnering to win as a, as a whole, which is, which is interesting i think um as as a as, as people who are in commercial jobs yeah we had a similar conversation to this didn't we with erica we did Wixneed, i was just thinking of erica the... we're gonna have to connect you yeah, mm. yeah. well i love her, that her point was and charlotte maybe you correct me if i've not quite got it right but like as marketers as brand leaders some of the most creative um people on the planet people that have worked and built like big global brands there's got to be more there's got to be like a <clears throat> an organization of marketers and creative thinkers and innovators that come together in order to like solve some of the bigger problems that exist in the world right rather than just selling more airline tickets to quote her directly um like and how do we pull that off? How do like how, how it, it essentially needs a sponsor, right? But there needs to be like a something that that governs and brings all of these amazing thinkers and doers and executors together 
to actually solve problems and there's like ways you can cut it maybe there's like a, a, a kind of a non, an anonymous type approach to to it which is like we're gonna like point out some of the ills of the world and like fix them um mm. because we've got the brains to do it or it's more of a like public facing well actually yeah 10 percent of my time or my weekends uh are spent with these other 40 cmos and creative yeah. leaders to yeah. work on this brief which is actually just as important if not more important than the one i have in my my day job so um yeah. we're, we're kind of thinking about how we can like pull that off because i think it would actually be amazing yeah that is born out of definitely that, it? and it's anti-competitive and, and pro-collaborative which is exactly what you're you know what you've been talking about brad no i love i love it i think what's really compelling about it too is you know one of the reasons goes back to the original, initial question of what I love is like getting an opportunity to work in marketing, you know, and even meeting you today, Mar, knowing you, Charlotte, like I, you, you, you have such an opportunity to work and meet with the most like creative, interesting people in the world, which is why I think probably like CMO gatherings are always the most well attended because you're like, oh my gosh, who do I get to meet? Everything's so dynamic and interesting, and people have all sorts of ideas that they, you throw something out like, oh, what have you met this person or think about this problem? I love that, and I feel like. If marketers as a community could really put their superpowers together in a way, uh, you know, to, to solve some of these things, and, and it happens, I think, you know, when we when when there's when there are gatherings, sometimes there's a brief, and sometimes we talk about it and figure out ways to connect. But when some of this stuff is so related to your own personal, the business that you're working on or the industry that you're in, you know, it doesn't feel like it's like a it's a side it's like a, well, I now got to figure out time to carve out for a side hustle. It actually feels like it's very meaningful to the work that you're trying to do um on the day on the day to day and it's related to that which means you're going to invest in it and then also invest in this broader thing to do good so i i love the intent of where you're going with that because i think it could be really powerful i mean the other thing too is like you need you need more time and you need more conversation around these topics because they're really hard and i feel like sometimes when you go to like marketing conferences or if you have conversations they're they're real they skim the top of these things yeah but yeah. you don't really get into it, which is then it becomes then it becomes a little more frustrating because it's like everyone's saying the same things, but like we're not really acting behind. And any then you of don't it. see them for a year. You, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's fly by night. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's harder, and I I just wish we and I we're all so busy and everyone's so distracted. But but these things are the ones that matter, and I feel like our generation of marketers or our generation that's right here right now has kind of a duty to take it to the next paint. You know, the next kind of like how do we solve this? And, you know, just like I'm sure with, you know, all of us have kids, like you don't want to leave them with something like so terrible. You want to like <laughs> move it forward for them and <laughs> create more positivity and like solve some problems to make their lives a little so they can take the next steps. And so I just feel like really that's a really powerful, you know, that's a powerful as a community of marketers. That's really a powerful, powerful opportunity that we have to do that in a way that's real and doesn't feel like, oh, we're we're doing advertising. It's not, no, we're solving we're solving problems. That's what it's what you do when you're a brand. So. I just get really motivated about that. So I love Absolutely. I love the the ideas you guys have on it. Love it. Let's put it out there and let's, uh, you know, let's see what we can do. Yeah. I love it. So before we wrap up then, just a, a couple of quick fire questions for you, Brad, which is something new that we've introduced lately. So just to yes. round off the episode, um, what's something you've watched a movie or a, or a show recently that you'd recommend people go out and, and see or like tune into well we did I, I feel like i took all of my time to talk about purpose and doing good and i failed to mention that last weekend cotopaxi was at sundance film festival oh 
and we were the the official uh, director's jacket sponsor because they're Sundance is a nonprofit, and we partner with them because we're like, okay, they're helping people see the world, make it better through the filmmaker's lens, which we love. And so I, I, I hate to say that I did not go see any of the movies while I was there because we were working the whole time. Um, but there were a number of films um, that I did that I did want to see. That being said, while, while I was on the plane ride back, I did binge watch. And I mentioned this before. I binge watch uh, Beef, which I have to say is phenomenal. Anymore, I know you've seen it. It's so good. Um, and Stephen One was at Sundance. I saw him from afar that was there. And I just say, like, what are the things that's really interesting about that show for me and just in general is, like, being someone who's, my, my dad's Japanese, it's super fun to see these these shows that are are weaving together. In that case, it's Korean, Chinese, and Japanese, like, culture with, like, a really mainstream show and a really topic that any of us can kind of, like, you know, recognize. Um, and so it was, it, was, it was funny. It was sad. It was dramatic. There's action in it. And it just combined all those things. It was so well done. Like, the whole treatment of it was really good. It was just... A really great show. I was, I was saying to my wife that whoever did like the set design and the costume design, like that Sorry. person has got a real life for, for taste. The the music too on the on kind of the nineties like me like they, they the way they worked in music in the show and the artwork in it the whole thing was like so well done. Yeah, Charlotte, you got to watch it. It's I you, will you'll love it. It's so good. I will. I'll um, add it to my list. Yeah. Next one then. What what are a couple of books that you recommend people read, whether it's business or non-business related? Like any any two that come to mind? Well, I was gonna say um, I'm actually looking for it on my shelf because I wanted to tell say which one it was. Um, um, there there I'm I'm blanking on the name of it. It's um, doing good. Where is it? I don't see it on my shelf. Let's see if we can help you. Yeah, it's um, it's doing good. It's good as the new cool is is I think generally what the title is. Um, it's it's thematically related to the to this conversation that we just yeah. had. Um, the reason I love that book is because it it basically kind of hits on everything that we just talked about, both for for pros and cons. I think the cons are I was like, well, do I? I'm gonna say we're good, and so we're doing good things because that's gonna give us credibility. Versus like, no, I believe in doing good, and then that's actually like people are looking for that. So it was written a few years ago, um, and it was super relevant at the time. I think it's still extremely relevant now for marketers, um, because I think for for a lot of people, um, you know, if you if you believe in purpose, it's a it's an important kind of kind of book to read. Mm. Um, the other one that I'll just mention is um, is it okay to swear on on the show? Yes, I don't know if it is okay. Please. Well, and for British folks, I, I know I feel I feel like I didn't need to ask that. <laughs> um, I, I just read the other day because it was in my office, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I, I really oh. like. Um, because I think I struggle with that sometimes personally of like, you know, a firstborn child. My dad is Japanese. There was a lot of expectations. Yeah. And I feel like as a therapy session for me, that was a good opportunity for, re, for re, to kind of recalibrate myself and like mm -hmm. try not to worry so much about what everyone else is thinking, especially in this day and age. Um, so that was that was more of a personal therapy book than anything else. Very good, and it made a difference because I recommended it to my wife um, for similar reasons, and she still gives a lot of a fuck. And I'm always like, just no one cares, no one cares. I, I read it, and I realised I don't give enough of a fuck. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, right. I it's all right. Well, the world is balancing out between us three and more my of a wife. Fuck. Yeah, you yeah. just got to find the right balance in there. Yeah, yeah. find yeah. the balance. <laughs> well, so, yeah, if you get to this so far, it's like, you know what? I don't need a shower. I don't need to walk around. That's fine. So you can dial it up a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, dear. Next question then, and then there's only one more left after that. So two left in total. What's a what's a, an ad or a campaign that you absolutely love, whether it's recent or maybe a, a, a more famous one from back in the day? Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to go down this track and I don't, I, the, there are ads that come out of it, um, but, and maybe it's just more of a general, I'll, I'll just say it's more of a general kind of like there's a few ads that come out of it. I have loved watching what um, Maximum Effort and Ryan Reynolds mm. have done merging mm. entertainment and advertising together. It's like taking it from like the Lego movie um, and and just set it on rocket fuel into the next kind of stratosphere. And so, you know, anymore, the reason it's top of mind for me is, I, you know, coming from, from Sundance, we were talking a lot about brand storytelling and, you know, we were there as a brand to kind of figure out, you know, longer term, we're still small, but the stories that we want to tell about, you know, poverty alleviation and the environment, like I, mm -hmm. I, we could hire agencies to do that. They could do a very good job, but I also want to be in the same conversation with the the best storytellers in the world because they may be telling a story that's related. So I think this is kind of brand kind of in content and entertainment is like super interesting. So to see what, you know, that maximum effort Ryan Reynolds did behind aviation, um, what they did behind Rexham, frankly, as they go into formula one now, I'm just, I just, I'm so drawn to it. And I think I'm like, am I drawn to this as a marketer as I'm already drawn to this as like a consumer? And the answer is both. Like, I just love, I just love the idea of this entertainment. And it's like, it up levels everything as a marketer. You're like, oh my, that's the next level. I got to get to that level now. Um, and that is exciting to see those kinds of like changes. So yes. And they've also given a ton of money to the people of Wrexham who w were flooded. Totally. And, or, or, you know, so it's like all of the There's a community it, element. It's a, exactly a community element as well it just ticks a lot of yeah it's a real feel good it about. makes you feel good yeah. along the way yeah. too and it's yeah doing good yeah did you listen to our episode with michael sugar by any chance i did not did, i did not did you, you touch on okay, okay yeah. i will for sure yeah he's an oscar winner he's basically set up a company called sugar 23 um which is all about creating studios within brand uh, marketing departments in order to create the next ted lasso or something about alleviating poverty or a, like a doc like chef's mm. table but with he, he's an Oscar winner right so he knows all the actor yeah. talent he knows all the studios um, and actually it can be a uh, profit center for a brand because if it is a success as successful as one of those shows then the royalties you'll make on it far outweigh yeah. the amount of money we'd spend on an ad came oh. campaign um, yeah trying to do a similar thing it's amazing you should, you should I, i'm to definitely going to check that out i mean we, the, this is unrelated unrelated to, to coda box but a few years ago we when i was at general mills we were we had an idea to try to take a brand like lucky charms and, and had the qu similar questions like why isn't this a pixar movie that comes out every single St. Patrick's Day that becomes like like Elf for, for around, you know, the Christmas time holiday. And back to your point, like we can figure out how to monetize it, but like all of a sudden you start talking about it. Like, well, if you have a brand that can be in content like that, imagine all the distribution partnerships you're going to have with Walmart and Target and Kroger and everybody else is going to be like, we're going to put that on display and we make this St. Patrick's Day massive for us. And so there was a huge commercial element to it that if we just kind of like rethought it would be so much more beneficial your point then maybe like running oh we can make another really good 15 second ad or a nice little piece of content online but like actually yeah. truly made something meaningful in culture so i i love that i'm gonna go back and listen to that that's a great i, I love that that's very cool last question if you could go back to your younger self embarking on 
your career in, in the advertising marketing world sorry I should say um, what advice would you give to yourself other than to give less of a fuck <laughs> um, I I would say um, and, and I have a lot of appreciation for being in one place for a long time because I, I do think when you can work for companies and you can learn a lot you, you know especially yeah. if they have lots of brands but I would say probably like take more take more creative chances um in in my career like i i think i in hindsight i wish i would have kind of like bounced around a little bit more gone big gone small gone service industry gone agency um gone consult like just and that's a harder career path to navigate because there's less certainty to it i just the way that i see though you know people who i i admire like they just have a they just intuitively are willing to try things and go do it and then it's gonna and not worry about the repercussions like oh am i gonna not have as you know big of a title if i make this jump or am i gonna lose you know status and whatever it's like that that i i think i put i think as my younger self i think i put too much kind of like it's really important for me to show i'm continuing to move up versus like i so i'm doing this to learn and to be creative and to to make a mark and to have fun and meet new people and if i looked at it like that i think i would have made some different choices so I think those are, um, th for me, you know, and if you're one company forever, great too. But like, I, I, I wish I would have probably diversified my experiences more, um, earlier in my career. Taking the boy out of, out of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, though, it, like, as we just, I do love Fargo. I, so it's hard for me now. I feel like we're a culture, <laughs> a cultural Mecca now with that show. So yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Brad, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. We could talk for a lot longer, but we'll let you go. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you for thank having you so me. Much. Yeah, I really love talking to both of you. Thanks so much. Likewise. See you soon. Bye-bye.